Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short, about a 13-minute Bible study each day to get our podcast listeners into God's Word, and thereby to stay strong in their faith and even grow in their faith, since faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. But being in God's Word every day helps keep us more focused on our relationship with God and more focused on our soul's salvation and eternity. Now, you know people in your life who need to turn their lives around. They need to get into God's Word. They need to start thinking about their soul's salvation. Help them by sharing these short studies with them every day. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means, but make that commitment and start sharing with everybody you can every day. Your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, literally everybody. You may help somebody turn their life around you may help somebody get to heaven. That'll be a great blessing for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every day. We're going to continue in this third section of our study, asking the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Now, we've broken this into three sections. The first, in the first section, we gave the simple, straightforward, bottom-line answer as to why bad things happen to good people. Sin, that's the answer. Sin prevails with, through humanity. Sin prevails in this world. And all kinds of bad consequences result because of such a prevalence, an overwhelming pre- prevalence of sin in this world within the mindset and the lifestyles of humanity. Evil, wickedness, ungodliness, well, all of that bears bad consequences, and a lot of times those bad consequences, well, they fall on the lives of even good people. In the second section, we emphasize that we have a skewed view of what really constitutes goodness from God, in God's eyes as to humanity. We think A lot of people who are unfaithful to God, they're not dedicated to God. They seldom even darken a church door of any kind. Maybe, at the most, maybe once or twice a year on what they would consider to be special holy days. But most of them don't even do that. But they, we we look at them, we say, well, but, but they're good people nonetheless. Really? Have they come to God through Jesus Christ? Have they repented of their sinfulness? Have they confessed their faith in Christ as their Lord and Savior and God's Son? Have they been baptized into Christ for the remission of their sins? Are they living that faithful life, obvious dedication to God through his word on a daily basis? You see, we think a whole lot of people who are not necessarily truly good people from God's perspective we think they're good people. And so what we say, well, why did that happen to them? We need to understand what true goodness is. In this third section, we're, at, we're, we're making the application, we're talking about contributing factors. And there's a whole lot of contributing factors as to why bad things happen to good people. We talked about how sometimes Even good people make poor choices and bad decisions that ultimately lead to bad consequences. Now, they weren't trying to make a bad decision or a poor choice, but they did. 
And even though they're trying to live a good life before God, dedicated to him, faithful to him through Jesus Christ, yeah, they still make mistakes and, well, bad consequences can result. We also talked about how many people, they venture through life without much thought of God or his will for their life, how, they, how he wants them to live their lives. They've just put God out of their mind. He's not in their head. And so, again, we look at some of those people, we say, well, they're still good people. Well, if they're not living godly lives, they can mark it down. They're going to suffer bad consequences. Then we also noted that sometimes our own actions result in bad consequences. And the, psalm, uh, the, uh, the wise man in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 8, he talked about how he who sows iniquity will reap sorrow. He who sows sin in his life, he's going to reap the consequences of that sin. And Hosea wrote along the same line in Hosea chapter 8. And then the apostle Paul said the same thing in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. He who sows uh, he, he who, who sows to the world or into the flesh, he who is living a life that is really focused to a great extent on fleshly living, worldly living, he's going to reap the consequences. And then First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22, Paul wrote, abstain from every appearance or form of evil. Just stay away from it altogether. If you don't get into the setting where sin is prevailing, then you don't have to remove yourself from that setting. You don't have to throw up your guards while you're in that setting. Just stay away from it altogether. I used to think when I was very young, I could be in sinful, ungodly settings as long as I did not participate in those sinful actions myself. While I was still very young, I learned the inconsistency of that line of reasoning, and I repented of that. I try to stay away from those settings as much as I can. And I continue to continually try to reassess, should I be doing this? Should I be watching this on TV? Should I be involved in this particular setting? Should I be speaking in this way? I, I continue to try to examine myself, as we're told to do in the New Testament, to examine ourselves regularly to see if we're in the faith. And all of us need to do that. Now, another contributing factor, sometimes we choose to enter into bad relationships that result in bad consequences. Oh, we do that, don't we? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33, if we turn over there, the Apostle Paul wrote this. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Or another translation says, evil companions corrupt good morals. The old illustration, if you're going to lie with the dogs, don't be surprised when you get fleas. I've used the illustration many times, if you're going to walk through a coal mine, don't expect to come out without coal dust all over you. You see, we think we can be with evil friends, friends who are living in sin, they're, they're not trying to live a godly life. And we think, well, it's going to be okay. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take part in that. They're going to rub off on us. And we might think, well, I'm going to try to be a good influence on them. It's a whole lot easier for someone to pull somebody down than it is to try to lift somebody up. 
Just try it sometime. And if from a physical exercise, try to try to lift somebody up and see if it isn't easier to pull them down. We need to be careful about who we associate with, who we really gravitate toward on a really close basis. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 6, Paul wrote, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? We say, well, I, I'm going to be careful. I'm not, I'm not going to have too many friends that, or, or associates that are really ungodly, living sinful lives. I, you know, I'm, they're, they're pretty good people. They may not be just completely faithful to God all the time, but they're pretty good. Well, take a little cake of yeast, put it in one end of a lump of bread dough, put it in the oven and see what happens. The effects of that yeast is going to spread through the whole lump. It's not going to stay just on that one end. Now, it may be more prevalent in its effects on that one end, but it's going to spread through that whole lump of dough. Don't think that you can walk in the pathways of wickedness, of evil, of sinfulness with other people and not get burned in the process. You need to understand. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 9, Galatians 5 and verse 9, the apostle Paul wrote, a little leaven leavens the whole lump, just as we read before. Why would God have his inspired writers write that down more than once. Once should be enough, but see, we're reminded of it again. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and we, Paul goes into considerable detail in this particular text of Scripture in warning about associations with ungodly people. He says, beginning with verse 14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? Why would you want to strike up close, continual relationships with people who are living ungodly lives, sinful lives? We drop down to verse 16. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of, God, of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord. Well, Paul is saying, He's emphasizing, going into detail, we need to make up our minds to live in as pure relationships with other people as we can. We need to live the godly life, but we need to, we need to put ourselves into relationships where other people in those relationships are helping us in our godly lives. Have you ever noticed how people who are in bad situations in their lives tend to gravitate toward other people who are experiencing bad situations in their lives? Drug addicts, alcoholics, the list can go on. So we need to be careful what relationships we choose to be relationships for our lives. Now, another one 
we need to remember the devil is our sworn enemy. He's our sworn enemy. And he has considerable power to work against us if we open up our, our, the doors of our lives for him to do that. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 describes him as our adversary, that is our enemy, and that he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now that word devour means seeking whom he may destroy. And we're talking about on a spiritual, eternal level. In Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22 and verse 31, we see here during the ministry of Jesus, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Now that's, that's an incredible verse of scripture to me. And Jesus is saying the devil's out there and he's trying to sift people like wheat like you would sift wheat. That's an, an, an incredible image. Don't let him be in that kind of position in your life that he can run you through the mill, so to speak, that he can work you over at his leisure. Be careful into what settings and into what kind of mindset you allow yourself to digress. We're going to stop here and pray. We'll come back next time and look at the last couple of contributing factors, but that we're not, it's not an, an, an all-inclusive list. You could think of other factors that can contribute to bad things happening to even good people, truly good people. Dear Father, protect us from evil. Protect us from all of the ways of the devil, but help us to open our eyes and see that we need to take the proper steps to be on guard against all that he might throw at us. Help us to strive to be before your eyes truly good people. Help us to see the dangers of sin in our lives and in the world around us. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.